Welcome to the Kyiv Post podcast, where you can tune into stories that give you a deeper understanding of Ukraine. I'm your host, Alina Kent. I'm a multimedia producer and lifestyle journalist here at the Kyiv Post. President Volodymyr Zelensky ordered the National Security and Defense Council to draft legislation to limit the powers of Ukrainian oligarchs on April 15th. For decades, oligarchs have used their economic might and political influence to bend governments to their will and win privileges. Now, in the president's words, the oligarchs must become law-abiding business people. Here to discuss his article and this week's cover story, The Other War, Is Zelensky Willing and Able to Tame Ukraine's Oligarchs, is journalist Alexei Sorokin. Welcome, Alexei. Thank you for having me. Oligarchs and corruption were among the main issues people were hoping a new face like Zelensky could curb when he started his presidential campaign back in 2019. Did he promise that this was something he would work on if elected president? Well, basically, President Zelensky came uh, with promises to solve all problems that Ukrainians have. He would uh, end the war, he would end corruption, and he would obviously curtail the oligarchs' influence. And we know that a lot of people in Ukraine were watching his TV show, Servant of the People, which aired before he became president. And the main plot was Zelensky basically saving Ukraine from oligarchs. However, two years into his presidency, Ukrainian oligarchs still wield tremendous power over the media, industry, and politics. And this past year, we've seen Zelensky losing favor even within his own party. Recently, he's been making some key decisions regarding corruption and oligarchs. In early February, the Zelensky-led Security Council stripped possessions from pro-Kremlin politician Viktor Medvedchuk, who co-heads the 44-member opposition platform for Life Party and shut down the pro-Russian propaganda TV channels and other businesses of Medvedchuk's closest ally, lawmaker Taras Kozak. Medvedchuk lost 4% share of Ukraine's media market. Ex-president Petro Poroshenko also came under pressure. As many as 27 criminal cases were opened against him for corruption, abuse of office, and even treason. Some remain open today. Zelensky also recently sanctioned Ukraine's alleged top smugglers. But is Zelensky doing enough? There are several oligarchs who haven't been impacted by the recent developments. Today, we see that uh, the process is pretty selective. We know that the first to fall was Viktor Medvedchuk, and that was an obvious choice. He is a pro-Russian agent. He's known for traveling to Moscow. He's known for spreading Russian propaganda. And a lot of people in Ukraine who don't even support Zelensky think that Medvedchuk was supposed to be sanctioned because of his attitude towards Ukraine and basically everything Ukrainian. First, when Medvedchuk was sanctioned, it wasn't seen as a war on the the oligarchs. It was basically seen as defending Ukraine against Russian propaganda. Now, if we're talking about oligarchs, there's a lot of wealthy Ukrainians who are using state-owned companies to enrich themselves. We know that oligarch Renata Akhmetov is using the state-owned Ukrzeliznitsa to transport his iron ore and coal at below market prices, which cost the state company billions. We also know that there is Mitro Firtash and Viktor Pinchuk, who are rarely mentioned in the media, who are never mentioned in terms of scandals with business interests, but they also have monopolies in the fertilizer sector and titanium markets. Pinchuk controls Ukraine's pipe production. And we know that these businessmen, they use 
unfair regulations to basically enrich themselves. And if Zelensky wants to actually fight oligarchs, he doesn't have to pick one person. He has to attack the whole system by which they exist today in Ukraine. Why is dealing with oligarchs so important for Ukraine? Ukrainian oligarchs are not directly uh, breaking the law. They are using their influence to make uh, regulations that benefit them. So if we're talking, for example, about the Ukrainian railway, Ukraine's Ukrazeliznitsa is heavily in debt, is losing billions of grievances each year because the government places below market prices for transportation of coal, iron ore, and uh, everything that is produced by companies owned by the oligarchs. And because of that, Ukraine loses a chance to have uh, actually working state-owned uh, railway company. And we can trace this influence to each sector of the economy. For example, with electricity, the electricity market is controlled by Ahmetov's DTEC, and DTEC is known for, uh, for example, it was fined 5 million grivnas uh, last month for shutting down its electricity plant to influence the market. And when we're talking about a system where five, six, eight people have monopolies in key sectors of the economy, the state doesn't work. Ukraine loses billions of dollars. Ukraine loses billions of dollars on state-owned Center Energo Energy Company, on state-owned oil company Ukrnafta, and it's done in a sense where the law is not broken in a direct way, but the whole system is created to benefit certain people instead of Ukraine as a state. When Zelensky was elected, and even during his presidential campaign, his relationship with Ukrainian oligarch Igor Kolomoisky raised the most questions. Well, so- yes, I think the relationship with uh, Igor Kolomoisky is the best depiction of how Zelensky was working with the oligarchs probably until uh, February or early March this year. Kolomoisky helped Zelensky to get elected. Zelensky's TV shows were aired on Kolomoisky's channels. They knew each other very well. And when Zelensky needed help um, to promote himself, basically Kolomoisky was there to help. Uh, after Zelensky was elected as president, a lot of people who worked with Kolomoisky, either in his TV business or other businesses, they joined Zelensky's Servant of the People Party. And now over 30 lawmakers are said to be helping Kolomoisky and pushing his agenda in parliament. Renat Akhmetov also has allegedly 30 to 50 lawmakers. Kolomoisky was able to build his own party for the future party. So through helping Zelensky, Kolomoisky got a very big foothold in parliament. And after that, we know that after Zelensky became president in May 2019, Kolomoisky began uh, to influence Santernergo, where which he doesn't own, which is a state-owned company. But suddenly, Kolomoisky was benefiting from selling overpriced coal to the company and then receiving cheap electricity in return. Since Zelensky took office, the first year of his presidency, there were legit fears that this specific oligarch 
is becoming more and more powerful. Soon, probably from March or even May 2020, we see that Kolomoisky's influence began to decline. Last year, the U.S. Department of Justice filed a civil forfeiture complaint to seize some of Kolomoisky's stateside properties. The DOJ didn't charge Kolomoisky with a crime, but it did accuse him of profiting from corruption and money laundering. Privatbank was taken away from the oligarch when it nationalized in 2016. Ukrainian prosecutors allege that Kolomoisky used insider lending to fleece the bank of 5.5 billion U.S. dollars, forcing nationalization and a massive taxpayer bailout. And recently, Kolomoisky's associates in Ukraine were charged with embezzlement. And in March, top former Privatbank officials were charged with embezzling $315 million, and one was even pulled out of a plane when he tried to flee Ukraine. So what is this new anti-oligarch bill Zelensky's introduced? Well, we don't know, because uh, basically what happened is Zelensky began to mention some kind of bill that he wants to be passed through parliament. But as we know, it's practically impossible to pass a bill that would uh, curtail oligarchs' influence through the oligarch-controlled parliament. The Servant of the People Party, which has 246 lawmakers, and that's over 20 lawmakers more than needed uh, for a majority, isn't actually able to pass any crucial piece of legislation. We know that some lawmakers are influenced by the oligarchs. We know that the party was uh, created very fast, and a lot of people with polar opinions were drawn under the same umbrella. And basically, if Zelensky uh, wants to pass some kind of legislation that is crucial for the fight against Ukrainian oligarchs, he has to make a deal with Ukrainian oligarchs for them to support this bill. However, the president recently showed that he sometimes doesn't need parliament or courts to advance his agenda. Today, Zelensky already has all the means necessary to battle oligarchs' influence in key sectors of Ukraine's economy. Ukraine's Anti-Monopoly Committee and the National Energy and Utilities Regulatory Commission can be the tools to curb oligarchs' influence in Ukraine. In March, the Regulatory Commission fined uh, three DTEC plants for a total of 5 million grievances for cutting supplies during the coldest weeks of winter. Ukraine's finance minister, Sergei Marchenko, has also been pushing for a tax code reform that would increase the price for rent for iron ore extraction. So, for example, for Ahmetov's Metinvest, it would have to pay $22 per ton instead of today's only $3 per ton. So if we bring European standards and European tariffs and taxes, we can basically force Ukrainian oligarchs to be law-abiding citizens. As lawmaker Gerus told me, we need fair competition, and the role of the anti-monopoly committee here is crucial. What do you think the future holds for oligarchs in Ukraine? Well, we know that they're very resilient. Uh, if we look at the photo of the oligarchs that met President Viktor Yushchenko in 2005, they're all the same faces. And Yushchenko is long gone from politics, but the oligarchs are still there. So it's good that Zelensky is talking about this. As Gerus said, 
it's good that this problem is public now because it forces the president to act on it. But will he be able to actually force oligarchs to live and work by the law? Only time will show. Well, thank you so much for sitting down and talking to us about your article this week. Thank you. That was this week's episode of the Key of Post podcast. I'm your host, Alina Kent. You can subscribe to our podcast on all streaming platforms and follow along on the Key of Post website. Stay safe, stay home, and subscribe to the Key of Post. Music